0: Welcome, friends, to another edition of the Out of Water Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Lautenschlager, and joining me in a pillowless configuration this week is uh, our traveling pastor of spiritual formation, Reverend Sam Kastensmith. And I've really had a good time with, you know, where in the world is Sam Kastensmith? Yeah.
1: I feel like I should be wearing a red and white striped shirt.
0: That's it. So we can track you. As you, We need to put a GPS locator on you so we can see you as you move around. But you're in the... Uh, I don't even know how to describe that. The intercessory prayer room at church. Is that what we call it? I, I that's, guess
1: that's what it is now. That's it what is. it is
0: now. At it one is. time it was my office. Then it was it's, your office. It's been a closet. It's been lots of things. Yes. So, uh, But the good thing about it is that it's not echoey. So we come this week to our final uh, in our little mini series here of the last we've done it now for the last four weeks. If you folks, if you've missed, if you're just tuning in for some reason, you picked episode 52 for some reason, I do want to encourage you to go back to a f- go back a few weeks and catch this whole series on the resurrection, maybe even go back further and start with a guided tour of Holy Week, because we're really all of these things sort of work together in series. But this is our final one, our fourth post. Resurrection Sunday conversation and this week we're going to be talking about two interesting uh, sort of I want to call them scenes you know following it because the first is Jesus's encounter with Thomas who forever has been branded with the name doubting Thomas it's like the, yeah. that's hey, don't be a doubting Thomas now you know everybody knows that phrase
1: yeah. well well the reality is like and if you go back earlier in the Gospel of John. When you get to the the lazarus narrative there 's this this time where you know Lazarus is sick they 're wanting jesus they 're requesting that Jesus come, Mary and Martha want Jesus to come and to to heal Lazarus before he dies, and so that means that he would go all the way down to Bethany, which is a hop skipping away from Jerusalem, which is where the people want to kill him. And what do you find in, in John eleven? You find all of the other apostles that are going, oh, ba, 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 don't you know? Don't go down there. They want to stone you. I don't want to go with you. And 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 who is it that pipes up and says, "Let's go, that we may die with him"? Guess who says that?
0: Oh, I'm going to take a wild guess. Thomas. Yeah,
1: It's, Thomas. it's doubting Thomas, who's yeah. of the twelve, is presented as the one who's bold, who's like, "I'm I'm in. Let's go die with him." And I would be I would be the one to say that the reason why this was so incredibly hard for Thomas is that same kind of zeal that you see in John eleven, where you see the apostles saying, Let's go with them that we may die with them, the all in, there's nothing holding me back. I think of all the apostles, that kind of zeal, when that gets crushed, mm-hmm. it's really crushed. Wow. And and so I think Thomas having gone from being hundred and ten percent all in has probably been the one grappling the most with this. You know, even even the fact that when Jesus, in John 20, verse 19, Jesus appears to all the other disciples and Thomas is not there, and we don't know why, but in my mind, as I let my imagination go, I'm just imagining him so crushed that he's off alone. He's melancholy. He's he's not with the rest of them because he just needs space. He's crushed. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. I think that's probably accurate. You know, I mean, I think any of us, it, they talk about the people that love the most passionately, feel the deepest loss, that kind of thing. I think any time that you become emotionally all in and extremely invested in something, that it's really easy when you feel like you're disappointed by it for, in some way. The the crash is following the high you know thomas was probably the first guy out there that was a manic depressive you know not yeah, the, not the first could, guy but but the first of the apostles was a manic yeah. depressive so i can identify with thomas i've always been able to you know for that reason
1: so when we get to heaven it's, it's like I, I bet if you could watch the the replay of their three years in ministry you get the impression anytime prior to this that
0: thomas speaks up it's like wow that guy's zealous he's all in I guess we're going to look at uh, John chapter 20, beginning in verse 24, to pick up Thomas's story here. Mm -hmm. So verses 24 and 25 here, the opening paragraph. Now, Thomas, one of the 12, called the twin, although if I, to be honest with you, I much enjoy calling him Didymus. uh, Yeah.
1: What was the other one called?
0: Yes, exactly. It's like
1: the George Foreman house, George 1, George 2. <laughs> this is Thomas, Thomas 2, yeah. the other twin.
0: Yes. So Thomas was anyway. called the twin. Uh, you have to. Now, the other thing I have to wonder is, that, was that sarcastic? We called him the twin because he and his brother were born months apart and, or d- years apart and didn't look anything like each other. <laughs> <laughs> so called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. That's what you were referring to earlier. So the disi- the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Now, I have questions here. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Number one, as as I'm reading through this, I'm like, so why did he need to – like? This whole thing is like, unless I see the mark and then put my finger – did he think Jesus was going to have a temporary tattoo of a mark or something like that? It's like, I want to feel that it's an actual hole in his hand, you know?
1: (laughs) I think it's to make sure that it's not a ghost, you know, because it's – the idea of somebody dying and then coming back as a spirit or whatever, you know, like their soul, it's not necessarily a resurrection. It doesn't mean that death has been defeated. So he wants to make sure, like, did this person – did Jesus die and – has been raised physically I want to touch I want to feel That he's a physical body And not just some kind of a ghost Or phantasm Is the way I take that
0: Now that's a good point Because you know, one of the things of the, of the Christian resurrection is that people who are quote unquote spiritual, mm-hmm. you know, not say so like Christian, but just they feel, they feel this connection to the spiritual realm. Yeah. They'll tell you that life goes on past the grave. But what they'll tell you, they'll talk about in a higher form of consciousness mm-hmm. or a different sort of, a different state of existence or something like that. And there's a populist sentiment, I think, that life can continue, but just not as we know it. I think that. As far as I'm, as far as I know of, certainly this is one of the only the Christian doctrine of the resurrection. Our understanding of the resurrection is that he actually defeated death and comes back in a perfected state, as we are now, except perfect. You know, yeah. this, it knocks, it gets rid of all of the things that are wrong about our frail and damaged human condition, but it restores it to its pinnacle. It's like it, it's the peak of humanity. As God originally designed it is the post resurrection body. Um, yeah, the
1: creation of humanity was not God saying, "Okay, I'm on the way to a final project in which your soul returns to to the all soul, or you're going to be, you right. know, reincarnated, or you know anything like that." So, what when Jesus is raised from the dead, he's coming back, you know, in in his body. And it's what it's saying is this is, like you said, this is the pinnacle. There's, We're not moving to some other state. We're not moving into some other form of being. Like humanity as it's created, when God glorifies it and raises it out of death, is going to be perfect, and that's his intention.
0: I mean, that goes back to the creation stories in Genesis. It's a, You yeah. know, when God creates things, it says what? He says he looks around and says, hey, it is good. He looked at what he had done and said it is good you know he was very pleased with his design he didn't feel like he needed to add anything to it uh and then you know we came along human beings came along and messed it all up and and after that there were times when you know god looks at and he was it was not good you know god was yeah. not happy with the way things were going
1: you know we're actually moving in a direction that society that was pretty prevalent during the days of jesus because and we talked about this on a previous episode but When we think of physical and when they thought of the physical, we just see pain and we see tension and we need massages and we see sickness and the body falls apart and we don't want that. But when God sees the physical, he sees another element because you already have the emotional. You have that. You have the spiritual. You have all those things. When God sees the physical, he sees another way to provoke pleasure and goodness, mm. to the best of food and, and physical pleasure and all those things. It, it For him, in the fall, it becomes a, a liability for us. But in the resurrection and in the glorification, it becomes another way by which we enjoy the universe that God has made. It's a beautiful thing.
0: You know, I believe God records those images for us in Genesis to let us know, look, this is how, this is what I want for you. I want you to live in this state of stress-free and peaceful existence. And what you've done to yourselves <laughs> on your own, I have to fix that for you at some point.
1: Yeah, and I mean that… I think when I look back to the garden the thing that I wish I could have the most you know in addition to all the the physical things that are beautiful and peace and you know beauty and all that other stuff that you love like there was a self forgetfulness or a self unawareness that they had. You know, when Adam and Eve took and ate from the apple, it says then they realized they were naked. Why? Because for the first time, they realized that they were deficient. Their eyes went from being Godward-focused to inward word focused mm. It became all about me. Yeah. And ever since, we've become self-obsessed, which is basically the definition of sin, being self-obsessed. That's, that generates our fear. It generates our anger. It generates tension and frustration and hatred and all these things because we can't get outside of ourselves. And when we're glorified and all that sin goes away, guess what goes with it? All the, the anger, all the frustration, all the tension, all the, the anxiety and fear and all that other stuff goes along with it. And we, like it says in the beginning, you know, they were naked and unashamed. They're on full display and they're not thinking about themselves. Right, They're not ashamed. They're not, they're not thinking of how deficient they are next to the Lord. They're just absolutely delighting in the fact that they're with the Lord. And I'm ready for the day when I'm not absolutely obsessed with myself. And even if I was, God will have made me glorified to where he looks at me and says, you're perfect.
0: So what you're That's, saying is that your resurrection body is going to have a six-pack. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> God's going to have some
1: serious work if we're going to have six packs, Mark.
0: <laughs> it is, you know. Again, this is the, these are the, this is the way my brain works. I do find myself wondering, okay, if if the if the we've our body enjoy the,
1: exercise,
0: okay. If our body in the resurrection, if our bodies in the resurrection are going to be the perfection of the of the design, you know, God's going to take away disease and take away, you know, degeneration and, and take away all these things that are going to be uh, that are bad for us now. Are we, in fact, going to be these incredible specimens of humanity? And I, mm-hmm. I do I find myself. I think about things like that. I don't know. It's a, but, but this. But then again, I'm also one of these weird guys that every small detail fascinates me, and that's why it takes me an hour and a half to get through any Bible story, because I want to ask questions about all these things.
1: <laughs> that's good stuff to think mm-hmm. about. It is. Theoretical I, Bible with Mark <laughs> Schleicher. <Lottenschlager. laughs>
0: <laughs> so you have systematic theology, and then with me you have theoretical theology. <laughs> so he wants to place his finger into the mark of the nails and place his hand into his side, because he wants to know that jesus has raised from the dead bodily Mm -hmm. because he wants to know that that it's not just life's been extended but that death and the grave have been defeated but then i find it interesting that what he says is because you've heard it said you know unless i do this i won't believe it and that seems kind of like i won't believe that i can't believe that but they at least the way the esv translates it here i will never believe mm-hmm. it seems like it's it seems like thomas is really like again you have that like you were saying that emotional thing from him totally like, if i can't touch him i will never believe you know that sort of thing uh that it was an outburst is how i sort of picture that um i, you know, I mean it's, at it's, this point you it's got his personality imagine. isn't it i think it's his personality totally i think at this point because he was
1: so all in you know at this it's kind of like a you know uh Fool me once. I think that's where he's at. Like, I've given the last three years of my life to a guy that claimed that he was God and he died. And I haven't seen him. It's been, you know, another week now after the resurrection. If I don't say, I will never believe. I am not going to be fooled twice. I'm not going to open my heart again. Mm -hmm. and risk getting stomped on. And I think that's where Thomas is at.
0: Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me, that kind of thing. I'm not going to deal with this. And I also think there's a sense in which, like you said when you were talking about, as we were getting started, you said, hey, back in verse 19, Thomas wasn't there. We don't know why. Um, He had appeared. Jesus had appeared to the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. We talked about that last week. Uh, He had appeared to the other 11 and whoever was with him at the time. He'd appeared to the women but he hadn't appeared to Thomas. And I also imagine that that was part of Thomas's irritation. Thomas is like, what am I, chopped liver? I was yeah. ready to die with you, Jesus, and you you didn't appear to me? You're showing up for everybody else, but not me. And I, and I just kind of wonder whether, like, okay, we've talked about all the time that Peter was the apostle that was put in there to make us feel okay about ourselves, and we'll see about that later. <laughs> we have. I've always felt yeah, like sure. I, I listen to the story of Peter, and I'm like, okay, I can feel it's like all right fine I'm not yes lord I get it you can love even me if you can love peter you can love me <laughs> and thomas I think is put in there for a reason also that that there's a reason why Jesus didn't do it because he knew how passionate thomas was and he also knew how this encounter was going to go and he wanted to you know everything that's recorded for us and the actions that the lord took with the disciples It was intended to teach us things, to teach them things, but also teach us things. And so we look at this and we see passionate Thomas, the guy that was ready to die with him, you know, having an outburst saying, hey, if he doesn't let me touch him, I will never believe. Mm -hmm. And then it says, verse 26, eight days later. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) so you made the outburst and Jesus said, all right, cool down here a little bit. His disciples were inside again and Thomas was with them. Significant. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. That has to have been quite a moment.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And and so just a a quick parenthetical uh, note about this passage. Eight days later. So the first appearance that Jesus had was on a Sunday. And this is also on a Sunday even though it's eight days later because in your mind, you're going, now wait a minute, eight days later would be Monday, right right uh, But the way that in the Hebrew culture, the way that the rabbinical literature shows us is that they always include the day from which you start. So like when Jesus is crucified on a Friday and you're you know you're thinking three days later he's raised from the dead, that should be Monday, not Sunday and And the Hebrew way of accounting for days, they always included the start date, so Friday, day one, Saturday, day two, Sunday's the third day, mm-hmm. even though it's really only two days from Friday to Sunday and so in this account, it's eight days later, which if you start with the Sunday and count forward Sunday one, Monday, two, you get the idea this lands on a Sunday again, and we talked in our last podcast, Jesus for some reason comes to 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 be with his disciples in a special way on Sundays. And I, I've always been of the opinion he's teaching them something. You know, he will come and dwell with them and be in their presence on the Lord's Day. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he shows up on the Lord's Day on, on Sunday, and he says to Thomas – now, what I love about this is he says to Thomas, put your finger here, see my hands? Put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe – and there's a couple of things that that I love about this is Jesus wasn't there when Thomas said that. Right. You know? So so if Thomas is going he's not with me. Like he's appeared to all of you but he's left me out. He's not with me. He doesn't hear me. He doesn't care about me. But in fact, here's Jesus coming saying, "I heard every word, Thomas." I was I was with
0: you, even though you didn 't see me I even though you,
1: you didn 't see me,
0: this goes and back to what we talked about last week. remember the, the mm-hmm. disciples on the road to Emmaus. I asked you why did Jesus restrain their eyes, and you said so that they would so that they wouldn 't recognize him because he was trying to teach them something, even when they mm-hmm. couldn 't see him, He was still with them, and he 's telling us that also, and I think that 's the same thing here
1: yeah, totally, and so Thomas is going to be comforted by that, and I think you see that in thomas 's response because he softens immediately. You know, Jesus comes and challenges him and says, you know, put your finger here. Here. Here's here's the holes in my hands. Here's my side. Feel it. Go for it. Don't disbelieve, but believe. And what does Thomas do? You know, one of the interesting things is when you get to the very next verse in 28, it doesn't say, and Thomas reached out and pressed into the wound and was satisfied with the evidence. Thomas just immediately answered him, my Lord and my God, mm. you know, and, and he uses <laughs> words there that are reserved for the Lord, God, not – and and he's declaring, Jesus, you really are God. Right. And that, like, you knew what I was thinking. You knew what I said. I don't need to touch. I don't need to examine. I know you're with me. And he just flat out confesses faith at that moment without needing to examine, which is kind of interesting.
0: You're, I think you're right, honestly. Uh, Jesus telling Thomas what he had said – in a room where Jesus wasn't at the time was all it took to convince Thomas of the fact that this was the Lord. This was the risen Lord.
1: You know, and it wasn't enough. I mean, you can imagine Jesus who, you know, Thomas feels utterly disappointed by. Who's, he's crushed. He's angry. And he's like, I will never follow him again unless I can touch that that's not enough for the lord to say well then i'm done with you thomas right you know your faith has failed you i'll never come to you again like it's comforting to me to know that when when we hit those moments of doubt where we you know our everything in us wants to raise a fist to heaven and say you know why or i'll never you know what does jesus do he comes back his first words are peace you know <laughs> peace be with you and then it's like hey I'm here for you. I'm not turning away from you. I haven't abandoned you. I've been with you this whole time. Here, I'm yours. Um, and that's that's the way he, that's the way he acts mm-hmm. with us. You know, he's so incredibly long-suffering and patient with us, even when we refuse to believe
0: or to obey. And he shows us things like this so that we can understand that, that to doubt is something that he's not afraid of us doubting him. He's, you know He knows that he will prove himself to us ultimately Mm -hmm. um and that verse 29 kind of wraps this whole thing up jesus said to him have you believed because you've seen me blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed i'm imagining now the people that have that don't have problems with doubt and it's like jesus is saying now how much you know how blessed they are that have never struggled with this doubt Mm -hmm. you know that people like whoa great you know You doubt, and Jesus proves himself to you, but what do I get? I'm like, you get the blessing of never having to struggle with doubt. Those of you that have that say, I've never doubted, that's a blessing. It's a blessing to never have faced down your doubts. If you can say to me, I've never doubted the Lord, I say to you, that's really its own reward. That's its own blessing. That's a blessing from God that you've never had those moments of doubt, because I have, and they ain't fun.
1: Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Uh, you know there there've been seasons where you know faith feels dry and you know i can't it just it feels put on or whatever and and when you know when something comes along that floods me uh with encouragement or faith it's a wonderful thing but i'll tell you walking through those seasons where it's like you know what am i doing with my life like is this even, does this even matter does is this real am i wasting away here you know which i which by the way you know pastors are not immune from from all that kind of stuff and you have to speak rationally back to yourself and think of all the ways that god has been there for you in the past you have to remember all the ways that he's proven himself faithful you have to remember all the ways that he's come to you and loved you and and shown himself faithful through seasons and you're constantly remembering you know in the god of the old testament we've talked about this before as well The God of the Old Testament used to have Israel, after all the times that he would be faithful to deliver them from foreign enemies or from situations, he'd have them take up memorial stones from that particular site and stack them up. And the reason for that was as the Israelites would go throughout Israel, they would see all these huge stacks of stones that were called memorial stones. And the reason for that was that no matter what they faced in the future they would have these stones to remember god has been faithful to me in the past cuz it's natural for humans to go is he still with me mm-hmm. is this still relevant mm-hmm. and you need to always be looking back yes he has always been faithful he is real he he loves me he's with me and you're you know for those who struggle with doubt it really is it's a like you said it's a, it's 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 rough
0: you know i don't have big piles of memorial stones but uh my first Bible is still on the shelf. I still have it. It's a, it's a uh, King James version because when I bought it, there was nothing but the King James. Going back to 1975, now when I was 14 years old, um, I bought this uh, Schofield Reference Bible because I was a dispensationalist back in those days, and Schofield invented all that stuff practically, or codified it anyways. <laughs> and so I, I bought this Bible, because that was the Bible that all the cool kids in our youth ministry had. You had a Schofield reference Bible and the and King James Version. So that Bible is, well, let's see, I bought it in 1975, so it's now 45 years old, okay? So that's a 45-year-old Bible. I still have it, and it's filled with all the notes that I wrote in it, when I was, you know, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, I used it into my till I was in my twenties, mm-hmm. um, and so it's filled with years and years of my juvenile chicken scratching. But I pick it up every so often, and I I go through the pages mm-hmm. and I look at the things, the notes that I took, and the verses I underlined and highlighted, and the things that I wrote in the margins that were important to me back when I first came to faith, and those kinds of things have an effect on me when i go back and read them just like israel would have been sam walking up to that big pile of stones Mm -hmm. when i find a bible passage that i've highlighted and i have and the things that i've put in there where it's so apparent to me that what spoke to me as a teenager you know 45 years ago that what spoke to me was the message of grace the gospel god's forgiveness god's love for me god's acceptance of me and i thought those are, you know, here 45 years later, all the years and all the situations and all the different studies and things that I've learned, still what is sweetest to me, what anchors me back and, and kind of fills my faith bucket is to read about God's grace and God's love for mm-hmm. me, and God's forgiveness to me and the gospel because that's what makes me feel safe. And stories like Thomas's make me feel safe with my mm-hmm. Lord.
1: Absolutely. You know, when I, when I look at my own Nature, because I've got kind of a skeptical nature. People don't develop, you know, archaeological studies and all this other stuff where you're diving into all the historical evidences unless you've got a healthy dose of skepticism to start with. And I'll tell you, like, you know, I think I've produced maybe 15, 16 hours worth of lecture material and these archaeological finds and everything else that I've put together. And all that stuff encourages my faith, you know, but it's, It doesn't satisfy what I'm looking for. And I think when Thomas is saying, you know, unless I touch, you know, there's something in us that that wants to know that it's factually real. And, you know, even when you grab hold of it, like in the archaeology stuff, that stuff's fascinating to me. I love it. it. It really is encouraging to my faith, but it doesn't hold a candle to the moments when I realize that Jesus is standing next to me speaking to me. Um, in a relational personal way, and that's what happens with Thomas here it 's like you know I, can, I need the evidence, I need to prove a beyond a shadow of a doubt, and then Jesus comes and just stands with him and speaks to him, and that 's enough mm-hmm. um, and and he's melted, you know, my Lord, my God, those are the moments it's it's not intellectual pursuits are great, I love them, you know, as a skeptic, I tend toward them um and when I say skeptic i 've overcome the skeptical objections, but my nature is to want to know like, is this true? Um, but when Jesus speaks to me when I, when I sense his presence, when I feel the power of the spirit moving in me and just his his love and all the the fruit of the spirit, like that is what melts me mm. that 's what 's powerful,
0: yeah, you know, and I think that just speaking to that idea of skepticism. I actually learned that there's a tremendous blessing to to people who have been able to find God in the everyday. Where mm-hmm. I struggle sometimes to see God in the everyday. You know, it's like unless I clear my mind and have that time of prayer and devotion and really, you know, think those spiritual thoughts, I don't see God in in how my newspaper landed on the driveway. But somebody that does, I'm like, is that less is is that not real? You did the series on miracles. Mm -hmm. We had this conversation. You said to me, do you believe in these kinds of miracles? And I said, I struggle to. I have a hard time believing in some of the miraculous things that people say. Immediately, my mind starts coming up with 15 logical, reasonable explanations for what happened that didn't involve God giving them a miracle. But it had to come down to, in the end, I said, here's the piece I made with this is to ask, did it feel like a miracle to you? If you were living this, if you lived through this and it felt like a miracle to you, that's enough for me. I'll let it go with that. It felt like a miracle to you, so it's a miracle. Yeah.
1: You know, and the longer I've been in my faith, I'd say that my skepticism has has really gone away. Like I've I've examined enough evidence to where I feel really comfortable in my faith. I don't question the truthfulness of scripture anymore. But where now I suffer the skepticism is I, I never I don't question God's faithfulness I question my own like mm. why am I why am I not seeing more of an impact on my life Why am I still having the same struggles Why hmm. am I still and you know I think it's it's morphed into that which you know which is the same path as the apostles You know you, you get past this, the skepticism of whether or not God is real and faithful. And then it becomes well no he 's definitely real and faithful. why am I not? Um, you find yourself
0: you find yourself down on your knees again for the same sin over and yeah. over, and you're like, yeah. why God why can 't I do this why can't I, I get past this yeah
1: you know, in the same <laughs> in the same way that it 's really tender that the Lord comes to thomas and and says, "Hey, like come here, like i I want you to believe i 'm not walking away from you." You know, at the same time, I'm sure Thomas, in that moment when he replies, "My Lord, my God," is not only just excited to see Jesus, but I'm sure he feels like a turd, you know, for everything he said, because the Lord basically challenged him verbatim on what he was, you know, <laughs> spouting off to the disciples.
0: Hmm. It's wonderful how this particular story, this little vignette, is able to speak on so many different levels to have yeah. to have to to offer comfort to those who doubt, to show those who don't see the Lord that. That he's with them even when they can't see them. That he's always paying attention to what's the, what we're thinking and saying and doing. That he's aware. He's perfectly aware of us at all times. And then to to say to those people that don't struggle with doubt and skepticism, to say, "Hey, that's a blessing to you." It's like this. This is a great story because it teaches on a bunch of different levels. Yeah. So then in verse thirty, um, John records sort of. This is. This isn't really the, the end of the book. I mean, we're going to, go, we're going to look at chapter 21 and, and Peter coming up. But I think that it's interesting that, that he says in verse 30, John says, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Mm-hmm. You know, the first time that I read this, that particular statement in the Gospel of John, I didn't really understand what he was getting at. I was like, "But excuse me, if it if it's so obvious, why you know why not give us all of these things? I want all the you know I want to know all the things that Jesus did, and yet I think that as I've kind of gotten older and you're know, further along in the faith, I begin to understand this idea that what he says in verse thirty one that by, that the things that are written are given to us so that we can believe that Jesus is the Christ, mm-hmm. the Son of God. That ultimately what is given to us in the scriptures, which it may not be a complete record of everything that happened on a given day, but it are the things that God knows are are necessary for us to believe.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's kind of the purpose statement for the gospel. Like, I, I didn't give you this just for, you know, and and it gives priority. This is not just moral teaching. You know, it's not saying, well, here's a great moral example for you. You know, it's it's saying, like, this is what you need you, to believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that by believing you may have life. Mm-hmm. And this is not a throwaway. The last three words there are not throwaway. They're essential, that you may have life in his name. And what that means is your life is not in your name. When, when you turn in the, you know, the exam, the final report, You're clothed in his name, what he's accomplished, and his righteousness, and what he has done. Your life comes by placing your trust, believing in him, believing he's the son of God, and that everything that he has accomplished in his name is now attributed to you. Mm. That is what gives you life. Hmm. And so it's, it's saying this is what he's done to make it possible for you to have everlasting life, And now the only thing that you need to do is believe. Mm -hmm. And by believing, everything that has been done in his name now becomes yours. Mm -hmm. His record becomes your record. His accomplishment now gives you an everlasting inheritance. And all you have to do is believe. And it's coming right after. I love this. This is coming right after the Thomas narrative, which – you know, here's this guy who's like, I cannot, I will not, dragging, kicking, screaming, I have to have absolute proof, you know, who crumbles when he sees the beauty of, of a patient Lord God standing in front of him and pleading with him, and in that, in a, in a heartbeat, when he says, my Lord and my God, everything that Jesus had done, everything that was accomplished in his name, now belongs to Thomas. hmm And when you come to the end of your struggles, when you finally say, my Lord and my God, everything that has been done in his name is yours.
0: Hmm. When you begin to understand that, this idea that everything that Jesus has done then becomes yours, that he, that he gives us these things, these things that he's accomplished. We always want to find a way that we can be involved because we want to be the hero of our own stories. You know? <laughs> we do. We, yeah, we, no we, doubt. We, we all want to be that Marvel comic hero that shows up and saves the day. Mm-hmm. And so
1: earlier when I was saying that, you know, I, I don't struggle so much thinking whether or not God is faithful. I struggle with whether or not I'm faithful. You right, know, right. it's the same gospel that brings me back that brought me in in the first place. So when I'm thinking, man, I, I'm messing up, I'm messing up, what happens? You know, the Lord extends his grace to me all over again. You know, it's, it's not that, you know, it's on me and he's going, well, you know, you better make sure that you're really a Christian. It's it's in those moments where I go, no, no, it's not about me. It's not about what I accomplish. It's entirely about what he's accomplished and when I really grab hold of that, that is always what melts my heart mm. and gets me back to a place where I feel mm. freedom and desire to follow after him again.
0: And it's never going to stop until he yeah. gathers us to himself. And even then, like I, I, I like the fact that you, you once talked about the idea that that for all of eternity, we're going to continue to grow and become more like him and progress mm-hmm. in that. And, and, and that it just goes on and on, and we never reach the end of it. It's like there's yeah. going to be something more and deeper and more beautiful to to learn about him and experience with him for all of eternity. It's yeah. never ended. How
1: How long will it take you to incrementally become more like the infinite God? <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> eternity. Eternity. It's a good thing that we have it. Um, I, and I'm to throw in my uh, the one more thing about the why didn't John write everything down, he does explain that to us, by the way, at the end of chapter 21, the very last verse of the Gospel of John, <laughs> where he says, and there are also many other things that Jesus did, which if they were written one by one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Amen.
1: <laughs> so John is the saying— apostled. I, I was going to say the the Apostle John did not have our discipline. Yes. We'd still be writing. <laughs> yes,
0: and, and his way of saying "I did you a favor." Uh, Jesus was after the resurrection that he came back, and that he was very deliberate in sort of addressing the needs and the doubts of the disciples. You know, he was there for their sake. I, I mean, it would, for for from Jesus's perspective, obviously. It would have been easier for him to say, okay, my work here is done. Y'all let me know what you need. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. I'm out of here. And mm-hmm. ascended to the Father, you know, that to, to, to return to that place. But instead, Jesus did what was needful for us. He, he spent... 40 days with the disciples and in that time he was doing these signs for them to reassure them to give them faith to bolster them up and these things and when we get to the story of simon peter and i think we're going to postpone we're going to we're not postpone that but that'll be part two or once again we're doing a two-parter here when we get to the story of simon peter what we're going to see is how that transformed the life of Peter and actually caused a revival in his life. Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: Radically changed him. You know, Thomas, uh, with the way that he, we believe that he died, he went, he went perhaps farther than any other apostle. He went all the way to India, spreading the gospel, and dies at the end of a spear in India, and there's still a church there called Martoma. Um, mm. that's still there to this day because of the Apostle Thomas. And so you you do see where because Jesus came back and was tender, because Jesus had this one encounter with Thomas and bolstered his faith, even to this day there are now thousands, hundreds of thousands, who knows how many people through India even have come to faith because he had that moment where Thomas finally came to say, my Lord and my God.
0: Mm. Um, and it calls to mind this idea that, you know, he was willing to, to live his life, to, to have everything that uh, he did from that point forward to be aimed beyond the grave, because he was sure that there was something beyond the grave, because he knew that what he had in his life, that the things that he had in his life, that he was willing to spend them all and not worry about holding on to anything, because he knew there was something beyond the grave. And it Call to mind uh, when I was a young man, I, I I studied the martial arts for several years, and I remember my karate teacher. At the time When we were practicing Throwing punches at things He would always tell us That one of the errors That we make You know We all like to do Those movie punches Where we Where we throw a punch At something But we don't punch Through it We throw a punch That's designed to stop Mm. Right as it hits something Because we're trying To look like we're punching But we don't really punch And he always told us The difference between Somebody who wants To look like they're punching And somebody who Punches something Is the person Who punches it aims at a spot beyond whatever they're throwing the punch at. They want to punch through something. They want to put a hole in it. And he always had to to chastise us and push us to say, you've got to punch through it. Everything that you have now, you can can spend it all because there's a life on the other side of that grave. The grave is not going to suck it all up. That's good. And that you need to be able to punch through. And I mean... Maybe that's the last word.
1: Yeah. Set set your target beyond this life, and you will live radically different than if you believe everything goes away at death. Totally. I love that.
0: When you want to throw a punch, punch for the other side. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll let that stand as our last word on doubting Thomas and bold Thomas and transformed Thomas. And maybe we can be like Thomas (laughs) (laughs) in our series on the resurrection here. We will return uh, next time and talk about uh, the restoration of Simon Peter and about how uh, Jesus's tender restoration of Peter sparked a revival in this man's life that quite literally changed the face of the world for all times. So uh it's a I hope that you return for that then um We do hope that you've enjoyed your time with us today, that it's been profitable for you. Like always, I like to tell you that if you want to get caught up on back episodes of Out of Water, you can find those on our website by going to RioVistaChurch.com. That's R-I-O-VistaChurch.com slash Out of Water. All of the episodes are there. There's a description of what is in each episode, so you can find out, look for ones that interest you. Um, You can also find Out of Water on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts play wherever it is that you get your uh, wherever you get your favorite podcasts from hopefully you'll be able to find us there also if you'd like to correspond with pastor sam or with myself if there's something that you heard us say this week that uh, sparked some question or you have something you want to add for example uh, we invite you to correspond with us that email address is out of water at rio vista dot com Uh, We look forward to hearing from you. As I said, we'll be back next week with more, one more. There'll be five parts on the resurrection. Very cool. Uh, And we'll see you then. We hope you enjoyed your time with us, and you will both subscribe to the podcast and listen regularly. You can find out more about Out of Water, catch up on past episodes, and access show notes at our website, riovistachurch.com slash Water.